May God be gracious to us and bless us, and make his face to shine upon us, Selah, that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth, Selah. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. That's Psalm 67, which along with Psalm 66 are the psalms appointed for today, Tuesday, December the 21st, 2021. You're listening to Faith Seeking Understanding, and I'm your host, John Green. Thanks for being along today. What we've got is we're in 1 Samuel chapter 2, um, verse 1 to 10, and that's going to be the prayer of Hannah, the mother of Samuel, after um, she gives birth. And then we have Titus, uh, still continuing the letter to Titus, chapter 2, the first 10 verses there as well. And then in Luke's Gospel, chapter 1, verses 26 to 38. So what we have today is sort of reversal. It would be the, the theme of the, of the day in, in many ways, because that's the theme of Hannah's prayer. It's also ultimately the theme of Mary's prayer, which we know as the Magnificat, which she says when she goes and visits her cousin Elizabeth. And so we get Hannah here praying and said, My heart exalts in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. So she's sharing her joy after many years with the the Jewish rabbis will teach 19 years that she was barren and unable to bear a child. And therefore, she had to assist by getting her husband a second wife who could help him fulfill the commandment to be fruitful and multiply. So she, you have to, if you're not able at that time, if you were not able to have children within the first 10 years of the marriage, there was a presumption that the woman was barren and therefore a second wife could be taken in order to fulfill that commandment. You had no obligation to put away that first wife for that reason. So she had a rival wife, and she said, My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. She's speaking there of her rival wife, whose name was Peninnah, that we were told about in chapter 1 of 1 Samuel. She says, There is none holy like the Lord, for there is none besides you. There's no rock like our God. Talk no more so very proudly. Let not arrogance come from your mouth, for the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. So it's, it's an interesting statement. The Lord is a God of knowledge. And for a long time, what Hannah would have said was is that, that she would have known that she hadn't done anything wrong and shouldn't be uh, having the reproach on her of not having children. But he says the, she says, the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. And so the proof of her uprightness, let's say, is her pregnancy, that God has allowed her to have children now. The bows of the mighty are broken, but the feeble bind on strength. In other words, there's this huge reversal of everything in there. Those who are full have hired themselves out for bread, but those who are hungry have ceased to hunger. The barren has borne seven, for she who has many children, but she who has many children is forlorn. The One of the, the teachings of the, uh, of the rabbis is, is that for every child after Samuel, that including Samuel actually, that she bore, her rival wife, Peninnah, 
one of her children died. And so the barren has born seven, but she who has many children is forlorn. And so what, what they say is that she had these other children, and then every time she had a child, Peninnah lost a child. So that's the being... Um, She's born seven, but the other is forlorn. There's there's multiple ways that they get that they work through that, including one that it, after the first five children <laughs> that Hannah had, that then Peninnah said, "I can't stand the thought of losing any more. Please pray for me to God that these would be spared." And then they were counted to Hannah because the Lord gave them to her because of her prayer. So I mean, I, these are teachings of the rabbis. That's it, period, end of sentence. I didn't say anything more than that. So the Lord kills and brings to life. He brings down to Sheol and he raises up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and he exalts. He raises up the poor from the dust. He lifts up the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes and inherit a seat of honor. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and on them he has set the world. In other words, all things, all people are in his hands. And so whatever fortunes you have, whether they be good or bad, are completely due to him. And and it's potential for that to be reversed at any given time based on his will. He holds up the world with the pillars of the earth that belong to him. He will guard the feet of his faithful ones, but the wicked shall be cut off in darkness, for not by might shall a man prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Against them he will thunder in heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. Now at this point, remember, there is no king. This is the time of the judges. Um, her son Samuel will be the last judge of Israel, and so there will be a king after that. In fact, he will anoint two people king. He will anoint Saul, and then later he will anoint David as well. So he's a transitional figure in the history of the people of Israel. And his mother here prays this prayer that says everything is now going to be reversed. She sees that that this uh, answer to prayer that Samuel is, is going to change everything not just in her life, but for the people as well, that something new is coming through this child. And the weight only made it more true to her that this child was truly important because now she knows that God has opened her womb and therefore all eyes will be on this child as he grows. In the gospel lesson, remember yesterday, we have Gabriel, the archangel, coming into the temple to speak with the father of John the Baptist, Zechariah, and to give him news that in his old age, and his wife's old age, they will have children. They will have at least one child, and, and Zechariah doubted that. He wanted a sign. How will these things be? And, and as I've said before, God's funny about the way that he gives signs to people who ask for him like this, because what he always says, it seems like, is, is the sign that you that I'm giving you it isn't going to be before you do the work that I've given you to do. The sign will come later. And so when this child is born, you, you will name him John, and so what's the sign? How will I know these things? And the answer to that was, well, you're going to be mute <laughs> and, and because you didn't believe until such time as this child is born. So the sign will last until the birth of the child. So I'm sure Zechariah is thinking, well, I think I'm going to hurry home. 
<laughs> and see if we can get this moving quickly. So here, what we get is in the sixth month. So the sixth month is refers to um, six months after Elizabeth had had gotten pregnant. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. I mean, he's here again. Luke's giving details um, as though um, he's speaking to to somebody who who doesn't know all these things, but he's given information that can be verified. He could have just said to a city named Nazareth, but no, he's given him further details to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph. So it didn't just tell us who she was and that she was betrothed. No, but he's also of the house of David. So he's going to be in the Messianic line. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her, he, Gabriel, came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. I mean, the, that's the humility of Mary that you see there, is, is that, that the angel comes and greets her as favored one and says, the Lord is with you. And, and she's trying to figure out what kind of, what angle is this? What, why would he be saying this to me, is essentially the way that it, that it comes. Um, and the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. What a an incredible blessing it would be to hear an angel say, don't be afraid, Mary. He knew her by name and called her by name. That would have been an incredibly comforting thing. Yes, I'm speaking to you, Mary. This word is a word for you. You've found favor with God. What an amazing thing. And behold, you'll conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he'll reign over the house of Jacob forever in his kingdom. Of his kingdom there will be no end. I mean, can you even begin to imagine hearing an angel say those things? And me? And again, it's complete reversal. It's a reversal of everything that's ever happened before. The, the, all these major figures in um, Jewish history who are born to parents out of time, let's say these parents are old, and, and now suddenly comes this, this opening of the womb by the Lord. And here, it's exactly the opposite. You have this young girl who has never been with a man. We've, we're told multiple times that she's a virgin. And she says, her response is, how will this be since I'm a virgin? So it's a complete reversal of everything God has done before. There's never been a time when this happened. Now, it's prophesied, certainly it's prophesied in, in Isaiah's prophecy that a virgin will bring forth this child. And this angel answer to the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. So it's not going to be a human uh, conception here. And, but the details are a little thin on the ground, let's say, for how this is going to happen. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month for her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God, neither the barren becoming uh, a woman who is going to have a child or a virgin who is going to have a child 
You see these polar opposites here. And Mary says, Behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. I don't understand these things, but I'm only here to do one thing, and that's to serve God. And so whatever he wants to do, no matter how much it turns my life upside down, that's okay. I'm willing to do that. I'm willing to bear the reproach because the reproach here is going to be, well, she got pregnant by uh, some Roman soldier. There's some other story because this one doesn't make any sense. It's not true, and everybody knows it's not true because she's a virgin or she's not. Those are the only two options, and virgins don't give birth, so there's got to be an alternative explanation, and there's going to be a reproach for that. She, She had to, at some level, think nobody's going to believe this. And we know the first person who didn't believe it is Joseph because an angel had to appear to him as well and tell him to go ahead and marry Mary because he intended to put her away quietly. In the passage from Titus, we've got um, admonition to Titus again to, to explain how the church needs to work and what things need to look like and what he needs to teach and what he needs to expect of the people under his care. As for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. So just do that. Teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. These, these older men are the people that others will be looking up to in the church. And so they need to, if they're going to be leaders in the church, then they need to be a certain type of human being. They, their, their lives need to bespeak their faith. Older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They're to teach what's good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. In other words, that we don't want anything scandalous. You know, we want people who are truly committed to the gospel, not just as a a teaching and not just a set of propositional truths, but but committed to the gospel and committed to living a life that bespeaks the gospel that lives in them, the hope that lives in them, and the the life, because it's it's a reversal of life. You're not going to live like everybody else. These are the kinds of people that we need to be all people that, that other people can respect and look up to and who don't bring any kind of reproach on the gospel itself. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works, and in your teaching show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned, so that an opponent may be put to shame having nothing evil to say about us. We don't want to spend all our time defending our characters. We don't want to spend all our time defending the gospel because of scandal that's brought on it by people's lives. So, no, be careful. Do so, teach in, in, with integrity, dignity, and sound speech. And then finally, bond servants. Those people who are, who, who are slaves at some level, who sold themselves into slavery, are, not, are, are to be submissive to their own masters in everything. They're to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, but showing all good faith so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. In other words, whatever place in life you happen to be, whether you're an old person or a younger person, a bondservant, whatever your situation is, let your life be above reproach, be in such a way that, that no one would question the gospel 
and the integrity of the gospel because of your manner of life. So Christians, he says, act like Christ, be like him. And if you be like him, then the gospel will be adorned and not reproached.